Welcome to the Jack Jones and Martin Warner Show. Listen, we are absolutely honoured. We've got DJ Semtex on the Jack Jones and Martin Warner Show. Welcome to the show, my brother. Thank you for having me. It's an honour. Before we move on to the interview, I wanted to just touch on London quick because there is you've obviously lived in London a long time, Sam, and like I've just recently become a bit obsessed with those kind of YouTube documentaries talking about gang life over the years in London. There's like a lot of amazing YouTube channels where they're interviewing like old road man and and like uh it just it kind of bounced out of like how drill documents gang culture in the in London in just on another level, right? For me, that was the height of growing up. You don't realize the paranoia you live in when you're living in London. You don't even realize what you were experiencing. And I wonder, like, it, there was a quote in it though, and especially now you're in Croydon and thinking about Wood Green, how it used to be. Someone says something in it where in about twenty years they reckon that London's just going to like have no gangs left because just basically they're flooding the capital with obviously and gentrifying it so much that there's just no pockets anymore for that kind of stuff do you know what i mean and i, I don't maybe know green might mean, find a brighter day my, now you know i never experienced <laughs> the london gang thing and you know i moved to london in like it's like 97 and growing up in manchester the gang shit was a way of life it really was like and i and i I'm not a gangster, like or anything yeah, like that. I'm not yeah. professing to be. But you encounter it through yeah. the genre you're working yeah, yeah. in, though, because no, I was working in road rap, yeah. like back then, like roadside G's and. Do you know what I mean? Not even the genre, though. Not even the genre. Like, like what you what what I found in Manchester was even if you're in a nice area, it doesn't matter. You, you you're related to someone who's in it, or you know someone who's in it, or your best friend gets caught up in it, and you kind of get into it. It's also very alluring, like. When you see your, your man then making like a grand a day shot in, and you're like, oh, is that all they're doing? Like, it, you know, you could see how easy it is to get caught up. But in Manchester, it was like, yeah, yeah. I found Manchester was a lot more respectful because everybody knew if you were going to get in, even the nerds, if you were going to get into it with someone, just know that his cousin is from my side, or just know that his brethren's from Cheetah Mill, or he's part of that crew, or whatever. So everything was more calm and everything was more respectful. When I moved down there, I couldn't believe how it was down there. I was like, this is crazy. Like, and also with the clubs, when I first moved down here, I'd go to a club and there'd be one security on the door. I was like, this is a joke. Because like, <laughs> in Manchester, they used to pull the doors off the venue to get in and this, 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 that, and the other. Like, yeah, that, that's why I moved down there. I had to, if, if I lived in Manchester, oh my God. I could never succeed as a DJ in Manchester because all the clubs Fair. kept getting shut down. All the gangster shit was was seeping into the waves and everything i was i wouldn't be who i am today if i'd have stayed up there as much as i love it but i, ha I had to get out i had to move down there so but down here the gang thing i think because london's so big you know it's almost like two or three cities in one like i like to think of croydon as a city separate from london you know oh it totally <laughs> is yeah, yeah. <laughs> it hasn't got you've got your own westfields coming yeah. right ah uh, i got to, you know they tell everyone that's so you move down there but it, it, it's never happening. <laughs> I, I, got, I got told there's going to be a tube station. I got told everything. It's like, whatever. Yeah. But it's Manchester, I think, because it was so concentrated, like you were forced to live with it. So when you're talking about gangs, I don't, mm. I don't know the history of London gangs. I can tell you in Manchester exactly who's related to who, who did what, what that firm's about, how that firm's not about no more. But it's, it's, it actually yeah, yeah, had yeah. nothing to do with the music. Most people who was in it we're listening to jungle drum and bass house music rave like you were kind mad, of like a nerd mad. if you like hip-hop 
Like, yeah. I was like a nerd doing mixtapes. So you should hear about yeah. this new group. It's called Wu-Tang Clan. What? And they're like, they, yeah, they, they drive around in the whip listening to it. Like, <laughs> That's crazy. Smoking and stuff. Yeah. But their whole thing was like rave, like all them big raves that used to happen up and down the country and, and dr- jungle and all of that. The real bad man listen to them kind of things it wasn't it wasn't hip-hop or rap that's so different because in london at that time like it would have been early 2000s for me yeah it would have been it was just that archetypal route where you mm. were selling drugs and then you use the money and make music you know as a as to occupy your time and i remember at the time you had like pdc and uh yeah, i remember uh, during the choice fm like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they used to yeah, have those yeah, yeah. rapology days and like 57th dynasty in croydon and all those oh, and you know these guys were doing bits and but then they would make music as well and it was like um i was just very used to that just coming together it's mm. like rave culture didn't mm. really hit me until i like grew up a bit basically in london it was rap still to me but man, I, I just find it mad interesting, man. But shall we get stuck in? You are in an amazing room right now. I've seen multiple plaques on the wall and your DJ library is looking very insane. They're CDs, right? Do you still play them? That's like a wall of Dizzy Rascal plaques for when I was touring with him. DJ with him for eight years. Um, did some amazing, amazing shit. Yeah. Taught the world several times over. And so these are like really, really special to me because it was like, for me, I think he's the most um, significant, iconic rap artist to ever come out of the UK. Like, his DNA is in everyone's raps today. If you if you listen to Grime, he, he's like the primer. Like, he's the DNA. Mm. You can hear it. Even to the new Grime artist that comes out today, the way that they, they do choruses and the attitude and the intonation, it's all dizzy. It all comes from him. Like, so it's yep. dope to be a part of that and, you know, and do some amazing things. These are all CDs. I don't use them. They're so tiny, but the booklet, all the information, the detail, the artwork, you know, back then, whether it was vinyl or CDs, the, the artwork was made to catch your eye. Now it's like, I don't, I don't think people give a fuck about artwork like they used to. I really yeah. don't. The, the, the attention to detail doesn't go into it. You know, they, they'd normally be months of planning and plotting to get the right photo shoot, to get the right art direction, to get the right illustrator or whatever. Now everybody just calls up someone who's on the grab. Yeah, can you do this fifty pound? All right, yeah, cool, let's go. And that's it. It's and I think, I think, it's that's because of the way everything's sped up. Like it's it's all streaming. Streaming just increased, microwaved everything. Right. I remember times in history through when records were released. I, I, you know, it's like certain points of time. Yeah, this happened when the Redman album came out, or this happened when Kendrick dropped Section Eighty, or whatever, whatever, oh, whatever. Man. Yeah, yeah. So. It's all important to me. And before I had this collection, I had a vinyl collection. I had like, I had like thirty thousand vinyls, and I sold them all because everything was getting bootlegged, so the value went down. And then, you know, as as my family was getting bigger, it felt like it was a fire hazard. Mm. So I was just like, I really, I woke up one day and I was like, wow, I'm sat on like four or five tons of straight plastic. You know, if this goes up in flames one day, we're all getting fried. So <laughs> crazy. I got rid of it. Like when I got in, I started mixing the CDJs and everything. And then when I switched from CDJs to MP3s, it, yeah. it, it that obsessive collector in me transferred. I chased down everything. And now I've got like 40,000 40, MP3s on my hard drive. So anytime I do a rave, it's a wrap. 
Like I'm good. Any any DJ wants to rinse before me, I'm yeah. All right, it's cool. I'm good. You know what I mean? I gotta ask someone who's uh, an obsessive music collector. This is a nerdy question, mm. but when you're hitting the rave and you've got all that music, yeah. how do you organize all of that? Be because you know you DJ yourself. It's like you you know. No, but I struggle with that. Really? To be honest with you, all right? Yeah, it's just I've just got a lot. It's it's, it's very so. I gotta give a big shout to Benji B. He said I've got the most organized music library anywhere. He's never seen anything like it because I think he lost some tracks one time. I was like, yeah, don't watch that. And I was like, on a rare occasion, I let someone look into my hard drive, and it was like, everything's labeled. Like everything, <laughs> amazing. Radio edits, dirty versions by the producer. I even do, you know, like playlists now do things through mood and you know they'll have work I, yeah. I was doing I've been doing that I've been doing that for years like so in 2016 yeah. I've got like 30 different sets that I was tearing up 2016 with and I can go back to that at any time I got that for every year so whether it's hip hop Afrobeats R&B whatever 2016 17 18 19 20s missing because you know yeah 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 it's a quiet one that year <laughs> But, but when when you get used to documenting everything like that and having everything in them systems, you instinctively know what to draw for. You 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 know it just kicks in. So for me, it's like I'm good to go. I'm good to mash up any rave. Like it's calm. I've got it. I've got it. I'm I'm gonna write an algorithm for. I'm gonna take your master copy and write an algorithm <laughs> for DJs. All right, press the fucking button. Take ten thousand, forty thousand music. And give you all of give you all of this searchability. It is. That's actually a good idea because you you could base a proprietary software wow. off of the way Semtex organizes music. That's actually a legit idea. I mean, just 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 by tempo alone is is really really helpful. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and that must have taken you hours. So nah, I'm just thinking of the nah, time it efficiency. It doesn't. It's... When you get a track, oh, no. label it properly and then you're good. You just throw it in a list and then through time, like say for instance, let's go back to Jax Jones 2016. You know what works for you on stage and what didn't. So you just take out the shit that doesn't work and then the stuff that does work, that becomes the for priority. Sure. And then it's like, yeah, get an algorithm to do that because you're relying on the DJ, DJ's ability to select you're relying on the DJ's ability to file things you're relying on the DJ's ability to even use it at the right time and read the crowd because it, all, it's, it still boils down to whether that person is a good DJ or not because you yeah. could, you could mm. give everybody I say this all the time. You you could give everybody yeah. the blueprint. You could write it all in a book and show them this is how you do it. It still won't get it right. It's about it's it, about it, what you can do instinctively. There's only a few good DJs in the world nah. that really really get it that are in touch. Who would you who do you rate as a DJ? Oh, uh, Jazzy Jeff, incredible. The way he mixes. Yeah, it's like one time I did a gig with. Oh, EZ's amazing. Yeah. One time I did a gig with. EZ and Rodigan on the same bill and I was coming on after EZ and I was coming on before Rodigan. That was the most challenging set I've ever done. It's not even about the music you select, it's how you play it. It's how you entertain, it's how you build the momentum. So if yeah. I'm gonna play a chat, you gotta burn through them quick. Like hip hop's different to like, you know, EDM or dance music, whereas 
yo, you, you guys can play a seven minute track. Yeah. I can't do that. I'm playing <laughs> not even 30 seconds. Like I know hip hop mixes like 90 quick. seconds, right? So you got to have yeah, the pace, right. you got to have the momentum, <laughs> you've got to read the crowd, you've got to make sure you're tapping in to how people feel and how they want to feel. So you're predicting what the next four tunes, next five tunes ahead. And I think with with EZ, yeah. the way he uses the tracks and the way he'll use a bass line or he'll use a vocal yeah. or he'll use a bit of it, like he, he he's he's a god. Like when it comes to DJing, I've played after EZ before, and I, I've I've also been in that situation. Not Rodigan, because that's double that's double whammy. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> you know, like actors, great actors have done Shakespeare. You know what I mean? Great, great actors have spent time in the theater doing Shakespeare. Yeah. He's like, mm. yeah, that's yeah, like yeah, him. yeah. He's he's like that. He's he's because he's come up through doing the clashes and everything else, where it's all about performance and it's all about audacity. And it's all about competing. That learning process that he had, that training that he had, and it's the same thing with Grime MCs, better than every other MC because they came up on Pirate Radio and Clashing. When you come up through that circuit, uh, you can do anything. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, mm. so with Rodigan, he's playing records. And, and yeah. let's, so what you were saying about the algorithm and music and everything else, he, he's the same mentally. He's, he's, he just knows rhythms. He just knows moods. He knows what to jump for, what to, what to, he knows what to select, he knows what to call for. But he's also entertaining and performing and working the crowd, regardless of age, demographic, gender, or anything else like that. And I've seen him tear down a little shubs. I've seen him tear down mm. um, a little after party. I've seen him tear down Wembley Arena. First time I met him was at Wembley Arena. And I, <laughs> I was on before him. I just said to him, I don't want no smoke. I was like, I respect you, innit? I'm just saying, like, like just, <laughs> just so you know, I respect you. I want to do my thing now, but I rate you, innit? So, you know what I mean? When you go on, just, you know, yeah. be cool, you know? And then, <laughs> and, then, and then I seen him tear down festivals. Obviously, you could get someone. You could record your playlist and you could record, yeah. you know, what you're doing. Each track. But what I, I'm getting what you're saying. What you can't do is if you think, let's take your 40,000 tracks, yeah. right? You can't you you can't easily figure out for every track exactly when in that track it's going to mix with yeah, the other tracks sure. that you want, and yeah. then you get down a level and then another level, and you've now got millions of combinations just yeah. with forty thousand tracks. Yeah. So the challenge is, how do you define at one minute twenty one with yeah. track A to track B, and you track because if you could get that, then ultimately you'd be bringing DJ into a fucking science. Yeah. Right? Because you'd have the optimum opportunities. And then yeah. you but then the question is, even if you could get it, how would you know what works on a night? Yeah, you you don't. You don't, right? You That's don't. the art, I guess. Yeah. You don't. I mean, I mean That's a challenge. I panic before a set, right, if I'm not ready. I I, I I'm a firm believer that preparation is everything, right? And if you Oh yeah. If you're prepared if your equipment's straight, if you've got the right cables in the back so you know where to get them from, you're going to have a good night. And even if I do like, all right, let me do this playlist now of like 20, 30 tracks that I'm going to play tonight, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in with the intent to play these tracks. When you step on stage or when you step in a DJ booth, that all goes out the window because it depends, right. it depends on what they want. It depends on how <laughs> good or bad the DJ before was done. So yeah. if it's a shit DJ, you you got... You got a lot of work, work to do. 
It's, it's a yeah. great. It's always great to go on after a shit DJ because you're just gonna look even greater than what you already are. But it's like then it's like emergency work. Then it's like bring it back. It's almost like you're apologizing for that shit DJ that was on before. And right. sometimes I've been on. I've been on before when there was a shit DJ. Yeah. And it was so bad. I spent half a set trying to bring it back. It was so bad. They did such a shit job. There was twenty people in the room. It was like it was diabolical. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And that person yeah. got the booking because of yeah. privilege, because they knew someone yeah. who knew someone. That's why they got the booking. They should. I've never seen them DJ since. But yeah, it's it's like in situations like that. It. I feel. Are you talking about a specific person? Right now? <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. I can't. If I do oh, that, come I'd, on. I'd be, You're teasing. Uh, you know what I mean? No, no, no one to come on your show. You gotta keep that. Gotta keep that down. <laughs> it's 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 not even that. It's it's you know you know you know what it's like. You get people who come into the space who are not really DJs and they come with a little CD pack or a little USB key and they try to look sexy on the decks, but really they've got no clue what they're doing. It was one of them. And, and it, you know, you know, well done. Good luck to everybody trying yeah. to get paid, whatever. But yeah. at the end of the day, it was an insult that that person was on before me. You, you, you've had them situations. Oh, of course, man. Like I, I, do, yeah, I think yeah, though, yeah. that's the ebbs yeah. and flow of having a long career because you see that. Do you know what I mean you you have those moments everyone knows when you've been in it for a while well not everyone knows because no one gets to be in it for a while but like like yourself where um, how long is your how long would you say your career is now it's like um I started DJing in 92 that's a long career yeah, 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 yeah. so you would know where oh, yeah, 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 the peaks and troughs when yeah, you're brand yeah, yeah. new and yeah, then you're the yeah, hot yeah, one yeah, 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 and then yeah, you're just nice and then you reinvent all of that do you know what I mean so I've, you get that you do get that kind of like elder statesman discernment where you're just like how the hell <laughs> is this person on before me and that was terrible well hang on <laughs> well hang on Se- Semtex is almost as old as I think I'm older than you dude by about yeah, yeah, a year yeah. I'm guessing a couple of years older right a year or two yeah, 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 a couple yeah. of years old right yeah, yeah, but yeah. you you were raised like me where you'd be in the car with your mum and dad and you'd be listening and you're like, hip-hop, well, first of all, hip-hop wasn't around, right? In the 80s and the 90s, rap came out and all of a sudden you felt uncomfortable listening to it because it was so new, it was so fresh. There was just pop, there were other things that we were listening to at the time. You know, a bit more of a band culture. You had to make that transition into it. So where did you start? You couldn't have started on rap. No, Michael Jackson. My mum, there you yeah, go. Some yeah, great, yeah. great old pop. Yeah, right, my, yeah. my mum, and I say that, I say that, like as a kid, all I know is Michael Jackson because my mum, my mum, my mum used to play it. She used to play the Off the Wall album every night. You know, it was one of them, like yeah, send the kids great to bed, album. and then yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, great. Yeah, Your mum used to play and, and Off the Wall like, while you were asleep. That's amazing. And, like when you're a kid, right? And I'm talking like when you're like eight or nine. You don't really appreciate music. You don't know what music is. You don't, you know, you don't appreciate the value of it and everything else. And you haven't got a clue what it's about to do or what it means. But it was yeah, like, yeah. I, I just, I just knew, I know off the wall, off by heart because of that, basically. So from that, and then it was my brother who got me into hip hop. My brother introduced me to it. So it was like through him that I got into it. And then, mm-hmm. and it's, you, you're right, Martin. It's like, I used to play Run DMC albums in the house. And obviously, there's loads of cursing and everything else. And right. my dad will be like, "Turn that rubbish down." But what that does, it makes you want to. <laughs> so you're turning yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, yeah, you're just re- you're yeah. just rebelling against it's it. Like, right? Oh, you don't like this? Okay, all right, cool. You know. So I mean, we're really excited to chat to you because you're clearly a connoisseur yeah. on this subject. You've got a podcast and you've just <clears> written a book called Hip Hop Raise Me. 
so I know what that means to me, but I want to ask you, can you explain what it means um, when you say hip hop raised well, me? It's for a lot of different reasons. And I never really, I never really, I, re- I, I never even realized it until I, you know, I had the opportunity to do the book. And I, I wanted to do a book. I wanted to do a self-help book. I wanted to do something called Tragedy to Triumph. I love that. <laughs> no, nah, it's out. It's out there. It's out. It's done. It's done. It's you shouldn't done. have thrown that out there, bro. Am I? <laughs> no, 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 no. Hold no, up, Jack. No, 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 no. Ah, so this ah, is you've written. So you've written so two books. Call it Tragedy to Triumph, and I was gonna cover Kanye. You know, like he went through a car accident, and then one of the biggest artists, Fifty Cent, got shot nine times. Then they tried to wipe him out. Now yeah. he's one of the biggest artists. So there's a thread. I think it's it's it'll be motivational for the kids to read the stories in detail. And I was gonna go in and get the the, the medical records and this, yeah. this this that and the other and everything else. Even though most people know these stories, but the reason why I was gonna do it as well because I've Sick. interviewed all of these artists, so I've got all of these stories anyway in depth and everything else. So I was just gonna go in mm. and decode it more yeah, and everything yeah. else and all of that. So. Um, Someone on you took took the idea to a book company and the book company was like, no, 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 no. We want him to do the book on hip hop. And I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. It's too big. It's, it's You need like a council of 20, 20 people to do that. Like yeah. I can't do the book on hip hop. And then so a couple of weeks later, yeah. like I was I was very close to Macklemore at the time and Ryan Lewis. And I was, a, you know, still I'm a fan of them and everything else. And there's, a, there's, a, there's one particular uh-huh. track called Can't Hold Us, which is incredible. It's like a, it's a festival banger. I mean, yes, yeah, festival yeah. Fa- festival favorite yeah, yeah. all around yeah, the yeah, world. Yeah. And and there's a line that says, "What do you expect when Wu Tang raised me?" Mm-hmm. Or what do you expect? What do yep, you expect yep. when Wu Tang raised you? And I was like, "Yeah, I was raised. I was raised on hip hop." And then I was like, "Yeah, I was raised on Public Enemy." And then and that's when I got the title. So that's I was like, I could do the book from my perspective because no one can argue with that. So nice. Whereas if you try to do the definitive book on any genre. You're, you're you're gonna you're gonna get it wrong. There's something that you're gonna miss out. There's something where you're gonna be like, you got a little bit of detail wrong or whatever, whatever. But my perspective, that's my perspective. Yeah. It? So it's such a a provocative thing to say that hip hop raised me. Yeah. And my relation to it is because what I find interesting in hip hop outside of a <clears> lot of <throat> genres, especially what you're talking about, where you touched on even from the tra- tragedy to triumph. Mm. You get these stories and within hip hop, you get role models, Mm. whether you know it, whether you realize it or not, especially for men, Mm. I think as well. Like, you know, I grew up with not many great male role models Mm. and within hip hop, those are the people you looked up to. So when you say hip hop raised me, that's what lingers with me. Mm. Where, what, what does that statement mean to you outside of the book on a personal level? I mean, it is a hundred percent fact because, you know, through hip hop, I learned about, my heritage, I learned about stuff that wasn't getting taught in schools. So, you know, in Manchester, originally it was from an area called Cheetah Mill, which was multicultural mixed. Then mm-hmm. when we moved to an all white area of Middleton, that's where they discovered the word nigger because yeah. they were chasing me around the playground calling me that. There's a game called Catch the Nigger Whoa. and Tag Him. I didn't know I was the nigger. I was getting Shut bad. Up. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's how I learned about racism. That's how I learned. And it was really, it was really difficult because at, from where I was and at the time and everything else, it was like I had no one to talk to. Like I was going through all of this stuff myself, and then mm-hmm. you know, and even though you you know, like you talk to your parents, but your parents, 
they don't tell you what you want to hear. Like, I'm almost like, I'll just ignore it, whatever. And I get, like, I used to be angry at the time because you said that, but I get it now because her generation right. dealt with it differently. Well, that's what they were yeah, taught. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and her generation, the generation before her, like, they coped with things differently. So, so I was like, mm-hmm. nah, that, I was, I refused to accept that. So, um, my brother introduced me to hip hop through Run DMC and Dougie Fresh and all of this stuff. And from that, mm-hmm. I found my way into Public Enemy. And that shit spoke to me. That shit is, it told me about Malcolm X, Marcus Garvey, Martin Luther King, all of this other stuff. And it wasn't, mm-hmm. it, 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 it really plugged me into a bigger world, really plugged me into a bigger purpose and what we're here for. And then from that, I go to the first live show. Public Enemy, I see the mm-hmm. way the posters are done, the iconography, the use of logos, the artwork, and everything else. So it was like it was all new. So you got a new sound, you got new imagery, new iconography, right. new artwork, and everything else. And the artwork had a message, like everything. The music videos had a message, and everything else. So everything within the music was hitting me differently. The artwork was hitting me. The way that the groups worked the sonically the way the music was made as well it was it was taught like they say bring the noise it really is noise i think there's there's millions of other kids like me that was raised on it and they just went into different genres or whatever whatever and i think with the processes the whole approach to business the whole thing about hip-hop is always encouraged entrepreneurialism you don't get taught that totally you don't get taught that in school you don't you don't get told you could be a boss and run your own company you don't you know, they don't encourage Oi. that kind of thinking. It's just like, you know, I used to go to a careers officer and I take the piss like, oh, what do you want to be? I want to be a film director because <laughs> I knew there was no jobs for it. Mm. And they'd be like, well, da, 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 da. no answers. They had no answers. So it was just like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And, and I'm like, that's me. Can you imagine other kids who, right. you know, different and everything else? And it's like, so for me, hip hop really, it really did help me develop as a teenager and as a person and you know everything that i'm doing to this day really stems from hip-hop the music like the lifestyle the whole approach you... like i said the business side of things the historical education the whole thing would you say well then it was uh-huh. not just a cultural reference for you but it served as an education for you right <clears throat> Right, you, you. I mean, you, you weren't just taking stripes Definitely. out of a book here. You're Definitely. actually yeah, yeah, get, yeah. gaining insights, whether it be entrepreneurism, right? Whether it be how to motivate mm. yourself, how to in, mm. be inspired about a different life that you could have. Because when I think of cultural references, I think that those are those are small elements, are pockets of information. But education is something that's a little more sustainable. And what you're saying when you say hip hop raised me ultimately is that mm. you gained a lot about life and how you wanted to live your life by listening to the music, right? Mm. And that's very powerful. Yeah. So my question to you, my man, is like, what was the first track you ever bought? And then what was the first hip hop track that you listened to or rap track? So the first track that I ever listened to, Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick, okay. the show. And, and the reason why I remember that, because it, it was a record that, and it's been sampled to death over the years. It's one of the most sampled records. Like I think even Beyonce used it recently and everything. Man. And you talking about Ladi Daddy? That was on the Ladi Daddy was on the B side. That was oh. so, so Fresh on the show, right? And then um, today, even the way it's produced sonically is incredible. It could sit next to any record today, right? So, but what it is, mm-hmm. most of the track is built out of beatboxing, right? So Dougie Fresh, one of the illest mm-hmm. beatboxers ever. 
So I just remember my brother trying to beatbox, and I was like, "What is he doing?" Like I was, "What? What is this?" Is my big brother who I look up to, and I was like, "What is he doing?" And it, it was like it was like a cultural invasion. All of a sudden, one day he's wearing tracksuits, trying to beatbox, and this track which bangs is like, and him and all his friends are wearing Sergio oh, Tacchini yeah. tracksuits and whatever. And I was just like, I was just like, yeah, I was fully. That was my first experience, and that that really drew me in. First album I ever bought there was is three cassettes. It was Public Enemy, It Takes a Nation of Millions. It was Ice T, the Power album, mm. and it was BDP, um, by any means necessary. And it was like those are those are the first three cassettes that I bought. So, so that that was when I got into it myself, myself. Like my brother introduced me, but then when I got into it myself, myself, that's when I started collecting, and that's when it it was I started just hoarding music and going back to the hip hop raise me thing most of my best friends I've made in life today through hip hop I think in the way it caught me it yeah. caught other people and it brought us together at shows because I for me it's important to like the person I can't like yeah. they're like your older brothers do you know what I'm saying like I eat, you know just to touch on what you were saying about um, the entrepreneurial aspect and those life lessons you get from rap it, I mean that touched me deeply because even yeah, the jewelry yeah, yeah. I uh, try, yeah. aspire to buy, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, buying a yeah. presidential Rolex or whatever it is. That yeah, was yeah. that was what I saw Jay Z wearing on the big pimping video on the source. Or do you know what I mean? And that that jewelry is it, mm. and all of that. Uh, those messaging is is that those were the things that say, yeah. Well, do you know what, son? You mean something now? <laughs> what attracted you to it, Martin? Where I mean, you're obviously you had your ticking tighting days, but you're not from the roads. Like, was it hard for you to connect with it, or was it like fantastical? You know, because obviously that speaks to the appeal of hip hop on like just how far it goes. That now, I'm glad you asked that question because it's everyone's journey through music. I mean, music is so important to everyone's life, and people don't often examine it close enough. But as I've often said, right, my dad introduced me to the broadest genre of music, right, and my son who Jax knows very well, has got this broad sense as well. I was so curious about discovering anything, but I was also curious mm. about America. Oh, yeah, that's a big topic for a British man to say, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, I stumbled onto this one track, you know, straight out of Compton. And then there's, you know, mm. bitch and fuck the police and everything. And what happened when I heard it, I'm like, first of all, I loved the right. start, the intro. And I loved, the bit that really gravitated me was, was Easy E's uh, part. And, and I thought, wow, mm. this is fresh. And then I just wanted to hear more. And I was still cringing. I'm like, man, this is not just deep, but it's aggressive, yeah. right? And the subjects were, mm. were brutal, right? And, and West Coast rap was very brutal mm. at the time, right? It didn't soften for many mm. years. So it's kind of a, uh, in my own sense, a, a connoisseur of, of, of broad genre music. I'm like, I found something really mm. fresh and new. And then I was trying to discover more. So, uh, you know, like you, like a lot of us at that time, lived through the era of, of the East Coast, mm. West Coast rap. And as it evolved more into you know, mainstream hip hop, I just thought mm. this was hard. I didn't need to see a movie about it for it to be still fresh in my mind in terms of that early discovery. It was just totally unique. And it just, I just yeah. gravitated to it. And then I wanted to discover more and more. And, and I thought I was a... a a pretty early adopter of, of, of rap because of, of, of that track. But I got a question for you. Just around role models, now I understand kind of that period you were through when you finished on De La Soul, mm. these kind of early influences. But the two, the two points I've got for you, you can have influences, but who was your role models growing up or growing through this? And who would you say is a good role model today um, in hip hop? I'd say growing up, 
It was definitely Chuck D, Public Enemy. It was DJ Premier from Gangstar. Because that by that point, I started. I started. Yep. Um, it wasn't. See, see, with the hip hop thing, it wasn't like. It wasn't like, I need to live my life like these people. It was more of great respect. Like it was more right. about the purity of the art. That's what I rated them for. That's what I respected them for. Yeah. Um, in terms of like role models, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't really that. It was more. I don't know. You know, it's a good question. I never really thought about that. There's no one where I'm like, oh yeah, you know, this person. Da 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 da. And and you know, like the, the whole thing about you know people say about that being a negative influence and this this that and the other. I've I've never shot or stabbed anyone. Like I've never owned a gun or whatever, whatever, whatever. And it was like, it was it was right. for me. I could always draw yeah. the distinction between what was real yeah. and what is entertainment, um, what was yep. bogus and what wasn't. And then going back to what you were saying about ECE, you know, it I'd, I'd seen all the stories and everything yeah. and, and everything else and this 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 that and the other. And it's like as you go on through life, you realize. Um, what, what was happening and everything. But I think with with role models today, um, I think there's some pretty good ones. And I think the the two biggest, if we're looking at music, at hip hop, the three biggest rappers right now, Drake, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, what they embody and what they represent, it's all highly aspirational. It's all, what I tell her, yeah. let me go back to that. My own experience, Jay-Z, because For I sure. never liked Reasonable Doubt. Like it, it didn't hit me because I was a Nas fan, so I was just like, oh, "This is a bit, this is a bit trying to trying to be a bit Nas." Right. Man. So, but then Sean Carter Volume Three, mm, that's when it mm. caught me, and what it was over the years of seeing the way yeah, that yeah. he's moved in terms of his approach to businesses and organization and everything else. But he's also one of the greatest lyricists like of all time. Like, there's a couple, but Jay Z is definitely one of them, undoubtedly. Right. Um, yeah, Jay Z was the one who could balance yeah. entertainment yeah, yeah, yeah. with content yeah. all at the and, same and, time. And yeah. I think with today, I mean, when you look at what, I mean, Drake's doing it. Drake is the role model for today. You can see he he inspires everyone. He inspires like yeah, any yeah. demographic, any any race, age, whatever, gender, whatever. He he taps in. He ta- He's got everybody. Like he really has. And. The fascinating thing about it is he's not even American, he's a Canadian artist, you know, and he he's yeah, got yeah, yeah. you know, he's had his own situation with his own his own with racism and you know, being mixed race and everything. So yeah. and I think he he's in a place where he appreciates the culture and he appreciates music and is a fan of rap. So for him, it's a you know, for us it's a massive statement that he puts gigs on KMT, which is an eternal bang, yeah, a massive yeah. statement. And people are like, no US artist has ever done this for us before, but it's not US, it's Canadian. So that's why his approach is yeah. different. So, But the culture resonates yeah. with him because yeah, yeah. obviously part of our lingo comes yeah, from yeah, the West yeah, Indies yeah. and that yeah. got to Canada. There's a there's yeah. a route to it, which is really side, interesting. But on the jump on a track with Wizkid and Skepta, which is probably one of the most progressive, yeah. forward-thinking collaborations, international collaborations ever made. Like, it's Afro, it's it's Nigeria, sure. um, UK and Canada on the same track, and he's still right. co-signing Afro African music now. He can change someone's life. Crazy stuff yeah. up on the next project, which I can't talk about, but he's he's yeah. he's gonna do it again on yeah, the next yeah. project. 
Feel free to talk about it. I feel like we need to send you them drinks. For, we missed out the B-Bots and now the, uh, the the Drake exclusives. You never catch me out. <laughs> so are you working with Drake in some capacity, nah, Sam? It's, it's, you know, I've been fortunate to interview him several times. Like, and, you know, mm-hmm. when he first... When he when I knew he was coming to the UK, I, I went out of my way to get in because I knew he was going to be huge. I knew he was going to be big. So at the yeah. time... I was on one extra at the time and he was supposed to come on my show on Friday night and he didn't turn up. Yeah. I was pissed. So I called up. I was like, you can't yeah. do this. You know, I was like pretty much threatening him. Like, you can't do this. You cannot. Yeah. Like, don't, I was like, don't fuck with me. Like, I get passionate. So it's just, no, 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 we're going to do the day after. We'll do the day after. So I was like, all right, cool. So I turned up at the hotel. He was at the Mandarin Hotel and he's like, yo, what's going on, man? And he's like, oh, sorry, yeah. I can't make it. I was in, I was with Rihanna last night. You know, like, like one of them, like. Hey, <laughs> hey, that's the way. That was the famous Rihanna moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, this is amazing. So, and then, so we did that first interview in Hyde Park. Um, and and yeah, it was dope. It was dope. You know, so that's that's why I'm 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 cool with him because you know I I gave a shit before anybody else did. So and yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty much. How I've got most of my relationships. Yeah, it's just so, just being. So let's let's down the podcast because we could do this a number of ways because I'm I'm fascinated. Just what are some of the memorable moments? What do you try to get from it? Um, I did I did my very first podcast right back in 2008, where I was, and the reason why I did it was, so I was on radio, and I was like, I was like. I always felt they never appreciated what I brought to the table when I was at the BBC because yeah. I was like, I'm doing all this great stuff, but you you ain't you ain't tapping in the way that you should be, kind of thing. Which and then I learned over time that's how it is. You just gotta get on and do your thing. It doesn't matter right. whether an yeah. organization gets involved or behind you or not, just do it because yeah. someone's gonna come to the table sooner or later. Especially now. So Oh yeah, yeah, definitely now. So so I was at South by Southwest and I was working with an artist called Mr. Hudson who had signed and we introduced him to Kanye West and Kanye was working on the project. So I was back and forth to the States all the time with the good music camp and everything else. So I was backstage at South by Southwest at the Fade of Fort when there was a good music event. And I was like, everyone's here. I was like, I've got access to everyone. So it was just me backstage by myself with a microphone. So I just started interviewing everyone. And then I was like, I'm going to do a podcast because I'd heard about these things. So I was like, all right, I'm going to yeah, do that. Yeah, right. It'll be a way for me to put it out. I did the artwork myself, everything else, edited it myself, recorded, produced everything, put it out there. And it was dope. It was just like, you know, I did that. And then what happened was when 2015, yeah, I left it alone then in 2015 and whatnot when I started doing the groundwork for the book. I was like, I got, I got great conversations. I was like, it's just getting wasted, and it, it wasn't really yeah. appropriate for radio. So I was like, I'm gonna start this podcast. So I did, I did the Hip Hop Raise Me podcast from then. It was, um, and I was talking to like Coach K, who runs QC or Stormzy or whoever or whoever. Mm-hmm. So I find every conversation valuable. I find that, yeah, I think these podcasts um, document moments in time. And I think it's things that resonate. I feel like I've got a duty to document the culture and even just talking like, you know, I always want to know how they do things and whatever, whatever, whatever. 
and that and that's pretty much how it came about so i was doing that then the book came out then i got approached by spotify to do the who we be podcast and i was like cool did the first season did the second season then they wanted to switch it for the third season and do they wanted to do like a magazine type thing and do stuff live from yeah, clubs. And I was it's like, changed I don't now, do isn't it? Yeah, I was like, I don't want to do that. I so loved I was, your Who We Be yeah, podcasts. Yeah. They were so amazing. We went we went our separate ways. It was all good. It was there's no beef or anything like that. We great time working together. So this is the Hip Hop Raise Me podcast and that's yeah. that's what I'm doing moving forward. Who who's your most popular uh, guest in your mind? Or, or and I think of that from a point of like <clears> who do you like? Uh, to interview because you found it just a rewarding interview. You know, was it instructive or, or you felt like it was powerful or whatever? I'm not saying it broke news, but like, was there one that just stands out? There's a lot. There's a lot that stand out. I think I've had, I mean, across the, not just with the podcast, but doing interviews in general. Like I've done over a yeah. thousand interviews with different artists. So I've interviewed Jay-Z several times, always inspiring. You always learn something yeah. from him because the way the way Jay Z talks is like he's like that wise guy. He's like that not not in the Italian gangster type sense yeah, in the films, yeah. but he's oh, like I know. Yeah. he comes out he comes out with you know for instance and he gives it like the last time I did an interview he's like oh we meet again I was like yeah was how you doing because it we must be doing something right right you know like it is like it's it's very so, down yeah. to earth you know what I mean and it's like yeah it is true we're definitely doing something right like to be able to hook up and still talk so. Anytime with Jay Z, Kanye West is, I think, he's one of the greatest artists ever. I think he, he is just generations Wolfgang Amadeus, um, mm. in the sense that his music and his art will transcend centuries. I really do believe that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. Drake again, he he's a guy who is on top of the world and has been since he came out. He's just tapped in. He knows how to do it. He knows how to work. I don't know if it's because he came from acting in the beginning. I don't know if it's because he's just got a very, very savvy team behind him, but he's mm. a very dope, progressive, successful artist. There's not many people that think about them words, progressive and successful. There's, there's not many no. that you can say that. You know, there's a couple. Why, why doesn't Drake get, you know... For everything that Drake's achieved, he just doesn't... I feel like he doesn't get the flowers that surmount to everything that he's achieved and what he's done for the genre. I think I think, I think, think there's a couple of reasons. And I do feel like there's a couple of reasons for that. My, my, my theory is the timeline dictates everything right now, right? Yep. So whether mm. it's Instagram, Twitter... Because it's really funny, like, TikTok's popping as an app. Yeah. I don't no one really understands the timeline yet. Like no one, yeah. it's, it's a different way of doing things. But right now on social media, the Instagram timeline and the Twitter timeline crowds and dictates everything. There's a lot of um, uninformed opinions that get promoted on there. Um, and in the same way, you know, you got the fake news and the propaganda that went through Facebook, which is a mu- much more insidious. I think with Instagram and Twitter, um, the most uneducated fan can throw out the most ignorant comment and it'll get traction. And I think that overweighs the negative shit, overweighs the positive shit. And I think most people don't get the flowers until they're dead. They don't get That's, them until they've fallen point. off. Or... Yeah. I've got a question that off the back <clears throat> of um, what you're saying about social media and music and the commercialization of hip-hop as a genre. 
where you know where we're talking about what would people consider the golden era of hip-hop right the early 90s and then how it's progressed over the years from being political to being about entertainment and it goes through trends right mm. and i think nowadays where you've got social media it almost allows you to have like a rap cheat code you know what i mean there's a certain mm. archetype to a rapper now that that it's uh, obviously for someone to go on to have drake success and all that kind of stuff is is it takes years of 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 work and refinement and something innate right but where now with social media you've kind of got these um this cheat codes and you can all of a sudden look like a rapper you say the right things you mention the right gangs you mention the right stuff all of a sudden you're you've got a song hmm. one artist that springs to mind is like cj yeah yeah you know is <clears throat> how do you think that affects the future of rap because it's just dilution you get me and that's what you're saying where so many people can have an opinion it, it kind of fragments what perhaps is authentic about it do you mm. know what i mean and then you just get a lot of noise of people that perhaps are you know devaluing it do you know what i mean I, I think that problem has always been there with or without social media because i think of every genre you'll have two or three you, you get let's say we get three hyper successful acts and then there'll be a bit of a scene or there will be a scene or a culture and be, yeah. be it rock music be it jazz be it any other genre there is always shit there's always clones. There's always people that have been trying to tap in and cash in. So, you know, with what you're saying about the golden era of hip hop, it was happening then. It's just, it was so shit, you've forgotten about it. And what artists were do, doing stuff like that back then? Because obviously, I only know about the big ones at the end of it, innit? But that's what I'm saying. There's, 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 there's so many one off things that came out and they just didn't make it for whatever reason. And I, I don't, I don't want to yeah. say that. Cause you know, like again, this will go out. I could name an artist, and they'll <laughs> be like, "Give us the smoke." Oh, this, this, this no, but it's an opinion at the end of the day. I know, I know. But no, but it's a, it's all it's a creative object. I think you can speak about music objectively and say, "Yeah, yeah do you know sure. what? that was trivial." You can, but, it, I think, you can but if if I name names, it, the smoke comes back one way or the other. Like it could be a year later. Oh, you said this about me in this podcast, and, and it's like, you know what I mean? And then I, I got you know apologize or whatever. Sorry for yeah, speaking yeah, my yeah. mind. Da, 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 da. But it, it, it's, it's happened. And going back to the CJ thing as an example, all right, it's tapping into the whole BK drill thing, which is a byproduct of UK drill, which is a byproduct of Chicago drill. Chicago, yeah. So it's it's all the evolution, right? It's is. And, and, and it's amazing what's going on in Ghana right now, Ghanaian drill and Australia with Australian drill. It's, it's fascinating how the sound and the cultures going one way and then giving back and then going yeah. another way and then being influenced. And da, 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 da. It's, it's crazy time. Where is mm. M in this? Because I, I, who's, your, who's your, yeah. Who's your lyrical genius in hip hop? Or, or who's your, who do you think is the most couple of talented rappers in, in, in the world or the history of hip hop? And where does M feature in this? Cause I'm, he's my, he's my, I love Jay-Z as well, but he's my hero. Yeah. Um, okay. It, I'd say, off the top of my head, Jay Z and Andre 3000. I think, I think Eminem's dope, right? Like, you know, the Slim Shady album, genre defining. I love yeah. the monster track that he did with Juice World. Flows on it, insane. Yeah. But it kind of does the same thing. It yeah, kind yeah. of has the same tone, the same content, and the same. It doesn't work outside of being angry at 
his baby mother and frustrated about raising his daughter. And whereas with Jay Z, he's done so many different styles, so many different things. Technically, one of the greatest, if not the greatest. But the breadth of what he's done, from straight up street rap to what he's done with um, Rihanna or Beyonce, he takes it somewhere else. And then what he means to society, how he affects popular culture, it is way more diverse in terms of his ability and what he does. Could you say that about both of them career-wise? No, it's not the same thing. And then I think with Andre 3000, he is he is one of the most creative um, lyricists ever because what he did with Outkast, what he did with the Love Below album, I just I just think he he could have gone so much further if he wanted to, but he felt like he'd done what he'd done. You know, and going back to what we we're saying about clones, there's been a lot of attempted Andre 3000 clones. Yeah, never the same. It's never. Do you the think same. Eminem holds this darling in culture? And here's a, a straight question: Do you think it's because he's white? Okay, here's the thing: Eminem in 2021. I don't know if it's aged well, because the stuff that he said about women. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's not, a lot. Here's, here's a another lot. thing. Yeah. Monster, right? What he does with the flow. As a fan of that, yeah, I think it's incredible. This generation, what what is he doing? I, I can't even understand yeah. what he's yeah. saying. Like, they don't yeah. value his ability, his technical ability, but oh, I don't understand what he's saying. It's a bit shit. You know what I mean? It's mm. like, that's mm. what I'm saying. Has it stood the test of time? It's like, and that's the thing. You've got to know when to switch it up and... And I think every generation changes. It will probably mm. come back around where people appreciate the technical thing again more at some point. But I just, I don't, I've never, I've never thought he was the main guy like that. I think he's dope, undeniably dope. But, and, and he's had a lot of questionable albums, a lot. He's had way more questionable albums than he has good albums, like if we're being honest, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yet, and yet he's sold more than any hip hop artist. Right, ever. But that's what I'm saying. Do you think he's? I mean, do you think ever. that's because he's white? I think. That... I think. I think. Yeah, and that's that's. But what within that? What that means is he's opened the doors to a wider audience for the culture. Like mm. the existence of Eminem got more people into hip hop. I think it made people who look like him, who maybe hadn't been into it before, understand it. And get into it yeah. more and, and open them doors. So someone was always going to do it because of the invisible hip hop rule book. Like there was mm. a few white rappers that came before that never really cut through in the same way. And yeah. they never had the benefit of the rap privilege of Dr. Dre. They never had the cosign from someone yeah. as significant. So yeah. it was only yeah. after that, that people started to be more confident in signing white rappers and being, well, actually they can exist. The problem that white rappers have got now is everyone gets compared to Eminem. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, you yeah. see him labels, it's the new Eminem. And you know whenever a label says yeah. it's the new Eminem, you're fucked. <laughs> the public just yeah. because everyone just says, No, it's not. It's a lazy analogy that Can we do this? Given we're coming to the end of the podcast with so many more questions, it's been so much fun. Let's uh shift gears um and, and, and just talk about if we think about music on, on culture and obviously we this is all about hip hop, but you know, I don't know, social economic issues, race, discrimination, police brutality, the list goes on, family values. Mm. It's all been discussed, right? 
if you think about mm. and you started to answer this right in the beginning but what is the one thing hip-hop's taught you um if, if you think like look, if you could if you could narrow it down or maybe <clears> give <throat> yourself one or two believe in yourself that's it because you believe in yourself everything unlocks you believe in yourself you can accomplish anything i love it if 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 you want to run for prime minister do it you believe in yourself yeah. to get yourself educated to get to the point and play that game that political game is shiesty it's, it's worse than the drug game it's worse than the music industry but if you want to do dark. that you could do that yeah dark arts yeah. all of that and then yeah. if you wanted to be a financer yeah do it and that's it but you've got to have that self-belief you can't do anything without believing in yourself if you don't believe in yourself how are you going to stand on stage in front of twenty thousand people and rock it yeah you ain't going to do it with authenticity is it fair to say that no other genre can give that message in that way that directly good question i can't answer that because i'm not educated enough in other genres and you know i think people talk people love to like use the analogy of punk even though it's a genre that existed for two years and everything else and all of that and, and, and <laughs> punk ain't about like that now like punk has i get what you're saying because sometimes i'll describe something as let's be punk about it but yeah. i'll like hip-hop is is still here as you saying about yeah. it's not heritage it's still going mm. do you know what i mean it's still growing yeah. and 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 uh you know other genres i don't know enough i'd say no but i'd be ignorant to say that because i haven't seen anyone talk about it as passionately i haven't seen anyone talk about other genres um in the same way you know i know there's people that will celebrate pivotal moments or pivotal acts i know but but i do I mean, I spend a lot of time at the moment watching live shows from James Brown and Prince because yeah, the detail and the dynamics of what they do on stage is like James Brown is a show that please, I, I, everybody should check this out when he was in, you just Google it, James Brown, France, there's a show that he did in Paris and mm-hmm. it's fascinating to see how it's just him, a band and dancers and everybody knows their part, like everything to a T. So he'll he'll come mm. on, and then the crowd's cheering and everything else. He'll start singing. He'll go from a slow ballad to a hyped-up funk track. He'll improvise on the song. He'll have his dancers dancing to the right of him. And then all of a sudden, they'll get in with the dance routine perfectly, flawlessly yeah, doing the yeah. exact same moves as the dance routine. And then the dancers carry on. Everybody knows their part within the band. Everybody knows their part, whether they're backing singers or whether they're dancers. And then another track, he'll just jump on the drum kit. It's the way he controls the crowd with body language and a few utterances. Um, that showmanship, there's nobody doing that. Really does And I think yeah. that's a massive, it's a shame. And the reason why it doesn't exist is because of how much it would cost to do that. How much it would cost to keep a band together that tight. Like... If that was to happen now, the drummer would be like doing all other things with other acts or whatever. Or people would rely on special effects and the big 10 minute show before you go on and all that bullshit. But also you don't need the shows now to break an act. You break via your records. So the people have become amazing studio people. Do you know what I mean? Whereas they don't, the honing your craft like that is a secondary thing. Do you know what I mean? Still, yeah, but but still that that quest for creative perfection, like the live show and the music, the music sounds exactly the same as what it does on the record. The drums are True. tuned exactly the same as what they do on tracks that you hear that sample those drums. So it's like, 
every attention to detail has been made. There's a guy that comes out, there's an MC that comes out and says it's star time and they're going to start the show and da 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 The presentation, the start, the beginning, the end, flawless. And, and, and I think... I think that's very, very much missing. I don't even know why I got yeah. onto this point, but just, just watch that video. Well, it's incredible. Same with Prince as well. Incredible. I'm going to say something on this that, that really always pissed me off about live performances, and that's that mm. if you're going to do a track that, that, that everyone knows and your audience loves, either do mm. it like it sounds on the record, or it better yeah. be so fucking good you're going to do a different version <laughs> of it, all right? But if you do something yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, middle, yeah. it's yeah. quicksand. Right, yeah. it's quicksand yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's yeah, neither yeah. defining yeah. anything and it's not the thing they yeah. heard before, right? Uh, Jax, yeah, yeah, I got a question yeah, yeah. for you. In your genre, what's Tom. the one thing that's taught you? Oi. The thing is, I approach dance music uh, like rap and I actually find it tricky because I grew up on black music, you know, everything from blues to R&B to rap. You know, that was what my, my stepdad was Nigerian. He would collect records and that's what he was playing in the house. So that was my appetite. And dance music is a very different world. It, it, mm. You know, the economic aspects that we explore in rap is frowned upon in dance music. It's all about hedonism. And, uh, uh, you know, there is expression and there's resistance in there. I would say it's watered down a bit now. But, the you know, for me, I sometimes... I find that challenging. So my journey within what I do is bringing my lessons from rap into what I do and trying to put some of those ideas into dance and not being ashamed of it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, okay. That's what I'm taking. And I find resistance in that. Sometimes it feels weird. Some, but I, through that, I found my authenticity. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Where exactly what you said uh, earlier in the conversation where you just got to do it. And sometimes it's not about an institution embracing you. You just got to put it out there and put product out there. And if you believe in it, someone's going to like it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, I think everything else follows. I think at the end of the day, you've just got to believe in yourself, make shit that bangs and it'll follow. Like the phone will ring. For sure. The fan, you'll you'll develop fans like, and everything else falls into place. All that other stuff, it's just like, it's just whatever, man. It's just it's, yeah, man. Without 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 that sense of belief in yourself and conviction, and without the art, which is the oil, nothing's moving. If you haven't got them two things, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I hope we can reconvene in a few years' time and have another lengthy conversation and, and we can start the conversation saying, well, we must be doing something, right? <laughs> nah, man. We, 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 should, we should do this every so often, man. This is good. Like, this I is like great, this, man. Like, yeah, this is the end of year catch-up or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. man. Fire. Yeah. I mean, I loved it. Yeah, thank you, Semtex. Thank you. It's been amazing. I'm charged. <laughs> I'm going to go and listen to Jay Huss on the way home. <laughs> DJ yeah, Semtex, like, we want to thank you, dude. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you, brother.